What's up, and welcome to the Will and Rob Show. My name is Robert, and I'm here with my friend Will. We are both ministry associates with Ministry to State in Washington, D.C. It's been 11 days since the United States declared the coronavirus pandemic a national emergency. Millions across numerous states are under shelter-in-place orders. Countless restaurants, schools, even churches have been forced to close their doors. Social distancing and self-quarantine is the new normal. And there's no doubt COVID-19 will have massive repercussions on society, culture, and politics for a long time to come. So, Will, how are you managing in this time of coronavirus? Uh, I think I think pretty well. I don't feel too, like, uh, stir-crazy or anxious. Probably should be more anxious than I am. I got put on blast yesterday from a couple friends for not being as cautious and concerned as I should be. So that... Uh, <laughs> Those words and those reactions have kind of changed my posture today. Have you reached out to anybody either in your uh, family or from folks back home in Texas? Or what, what are they saying about coronavirus? Uh, well, Dallas, funny you mentioned Texas. Uh, I moved here to Washington from Dallas, and Dallas has a shelter-in-place order. So uh, everyone is cooped up. And before we start, I actually got a text messages from wife of one of my friends, and they have a Vishla. And so she was jokingly saying that she wasn't sure who's going crazy first, Colin or their Vishla Roger, because both are kind of equal in energy and uh, enthusiasm for people. So we'll see who loses it first. But been been keeping up with people in Texas and trying to get to talk to them and see how they're doing. But a lot of people are just hunkered down in yeah. Dallas right now. Yeah. Do you find that when you talk to people and you start talking about coronavirus, obviously it's going to be on the top of everybody's conversations? Do you find yourself getting more anxious? Do you start feeling a little bit comforted because you're kind of in community or at least talking to people and not just cooped up in your apartment? Like what's, what, what is the kind of the sense after you do talk to people? I just, I think I wonder just how long it's going to last and what is going to be the, the long-term fallout. I also wonder, I'd like to hear what you think on this. Like what are, what changes are going to take root after this that are going to be long lasting? I saw this really long article in Politico and they talked to like 32 experts and each expert offered their opinion on different areas that were going to change everything from, you know, telemedicine is going to be more popular and more socially accepted to other people saying that it's going to be the return of the expert. So people start trusting experts again, which I don't actually think <laughs> that's going to happen. But uh, I think I'm, I'm not as worried about my health. My mom is a nurse, so I am concerned for her and her working. My parents are both over 60. So I've encouraged them and just asking for them to be careful. I probably won't be going home for Easter be staying here. My grandmother, my only living grandparent is in her eighties. And so she's, uh, put her own shelter in place order on herself. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the, the thought is, you know, what, how we see the world differently Yeah. after this? No, I think that's, I think that's a very good question. I think it's one that I just see a ton of people wrestling with right now. Um, and I think there's probably in all things, right. There's going to be good developments and there's going to be bad developments. Um, uh, I think some of the things that you, you mentioned, uh, sort of the lessening of a stigma on telemedicine is absolutely going to be a repercussion. I think another good thing that's going to happen is I think people are going to start paying maybe a little bit more attention to not just the vulnerable in society, because that is definitely a theme that I see a lot, um, especially in younger generations, but particularly for the elderly and the, the older folks in our, in our society. Um, I think people actually like are starting to think, oh, what if my grandparent got this thing and got sick instead of your grandparents were being like a, a back thought. I know that sounds awful, but I think that that is 
something that I've noticed that people actually are sort of stopping with the okay boomer memes and more like, no, we should actually care about these people. Yeah, that is, gosh, that's a really good point. That is a huge, hopefully a 180. It's probably like at 160 right now, but turning in the right direction. What about all the spring breakers though? That's true. Yeah, the, the, what's, what's one bad development, or maybe it's a good development if people start to see it and, and correct, but the sort of, let me do me and you do you. The mantra uh, of our lifetime. Right. Me do me. Has started to be, has started to kind of look ridiculous. I mean, sort of the emperor has no clothes on that one right now. Like with coronavirus, you really can't leave your front door without thinking of the quote unquote common good. Like it's just really hard to live your life of, I'm just not going to hurt anybody. Yeah. I, I just, I only care about myself. I don't really need to worry about anybody else. And even if I'm absent minded for a minute, if I forget about it, there's going to be someone who reminds me of it. I was walking down South Carolina coming home from, so turned off Pennsylvania, going down South Carolina. And there was this woman who was probably like mid sixties walking her dog. And I, I was just walking towards her and she sees me and looks startled and kind of panicked because she thought I wasn't going to give her enough space. And so I moved to my right, gave her like an extra 10 feet. And she just responded with like a, you know, like a smile, like a thank you for giving me space, which I have never had anything like that happen. So even in my absent mindedness, when I'm, you know, we just get stuck in our own thoughts, there's going to be something somewhere. Oh, we went to Trader Joe's for lunch today and Trader Joe's in Eastern Market. They've set it up where they're letting only a limited number of people in the store at the time. And they have like a six foot tape markers on the checkout line so that when you're in line, you're not getting too close to people. Uh, but while I was in there, there was this woman who had just gotten back. We started talking. She had just returned from Cairo, Egypt. And there's a, this six foot marker and this woman is about 18 inches from me. <laughs> And talking to me and just incredibly close. And I'm like trying to hold my breath around her. Just right. Because I don't want to be resp- – I don't think I have it, of course. But like I don't want to be responsible right. for hurting someone. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird – not a weird. It's, it's definitely a new thing that we're just a little bit more conscious about who we're around, how we can be good citizens around them, and just be good neighbors to them. And I think that that's something that's definitely a new development – in sort of the, the coronavirus era. Yeah. With that, you're talking about neighborly. The last time I can think of something this drastic happening was 9-11 in the United States. And after 9-11, there was just a massive outpouring of what seemed like compassion. I mean, we could chalk it up to just like a kind of patriotism, but there was certainly a thoughtfulness of other people. There was certainly a commonality. There was certainly like a, a narrative that everybody was a part of in that moment. And then we saw a month later... The bickering happened. And so today, when we think about how is this going to change, do we think that because this is a longer duration of a crisis, whereas 9-11, at least that it was an instant, this is a drawn out thing, do we think that there will be more lasting implications for how we do treat our neighbors and do think about the common good? And I think even think about just the small things that matter. I, I've never been so grateful for the people, again, bring Trader Joe's into it. Hopefully they'll sponsor us. Soon. <laughs> but been so grateful for the people who stock the groceries Right. At night. And then, but then again, you have, you know, Mark Cuban calling out Chuck Schumer and John Cornyn both uh, today on Twitter for not getting their act together. Right. I don't know. I just, I have all these questions and I, I'm hopeful. Yeah, that seems to be a little bit more like business as usual, if you will. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I wonder, one of my questions is we have such a short attention span right now. Yeah. And this seems to be one of those crises. 
that's going to be long lasting. I mean, even this is clearly not going to be sort of a 15 days we go back to normal kind of thing. Schools are closed. Uh, yeah, what did you say about Governor Northam? Yeah, North Governor Northam over in Virginia, where I live, uh, shut down public schools uh, for the rest of the year. And I mean, that has that has repercussions not just for children's education, but it also has uh, uh, repercussions on families, churches that meet at public schools. Uh, I go to a church that meets at a public school. Yeah. We're we're doing virtual church like so many others are doing right now. But I think a lot of others are sort of operating on a week by week basis. We'll see how it goes, and then we'll reassess. Well. Speaking from experience, it's it's really devastating to get the news that I won't get to go back to my church and meet in my community at least until June. I mean, it's really that's a that's a real big thing, and I think it has repercussions on families as they try to learn how to uh, homeschool or even just how can they manage. Well, I was homeschooled through the eighth grade, so finally it's cool. <laughs> I've been waiting. Ahead of the curve. Oh my goodness. I've been waiting so many decades almost for this to happen and it's here. Um, I do think that this is going to have repercussions for our culture long term. And my question is, with that timeline, how will a a nation and a a society and a culture, it's not even just our country, it's, it's global, how will our culture that has such short attention spans deal with the prospect of a long-term crisis i just don't know and you can already starting to see it right on on the day that they declared the national emergency i mean it was not crazy to hear people throwing around the timeline of 12 to 18 months not that we would be in the same sort of uh, precautions for 12 to 18 months, but that coronavirus would be around. That's uh, as long as we're still Which seems reasonable. Enough. I just think it's important to make the distinction between it being around for 12 to 18 months and there being this these kind of uh, restrictions for... Right, right, right. That's what I meant. Like, yeah. like we're not going to be in shelter in place for 12 to 18 months. But the idea of a, of coronavirus and having to be mindful of it for 12 to 18 months is is a real possibility, right? And so... How do you deal with that if we're used to, as a culture, sort of like, okay, we handle this one crisis, and then three days later, there's another thing, and now our attention's on that. How will we deal with long-term systemic change? Or do you think there will be? I mean, I think so. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be a long time. I mean, I, you know, let's just take churches, for example. Churches are going to have to be really, really mindful of this stuff. You're mixing a lot of younger folks with older folks, so less vulnerable to more vulnerable. You have a lot of people like me, like at my church, that is running out of a school, yeah. and we're not going to be back in until June. I mean, that's a couple months, right? So what are some of the repercussions? Now, some of them, I've seen some really pessimistic stuff. Like, um, I know that Rod Dreher, uh made this point. The He's really worried that people will get so used to virtual church that... Man, I just haven't seen that. I know, and and so that's, so that's, but that's like my question, right? It's like, what are some of the things that we could see... Um, and I think probably some things might be uh, systemic. Other things won't. So uh, sort of it's it's blown up. But I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, there is such a such a pressure out there right now, and not in a bad way, in a good way, where everything from social media to the news media, press releases, hanging out with friends, it is impossible not to talk about this. And there are certainly people who are on both ends of the spectrum, people who think that the sky is falling and the people that think that, you know, you probably get some conspiracy theorists who think that this is all some ploy to have government control over. Right. So you have both ends of the spectrum 
but there's also just the truth that this is um, something that is necessary and required. And so I, I think that kind of pressure will, will keep it on the forefront and in people's minds for a long time. And I think we'll, will definitely change the way we, we approach, approach our lives going forward. I, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about like a fake, you know, Babylon B, the satirical <laughs> Christian, like the, uh, neighbors forced to avoid each other, like always <laughs> is we're not a very neighborly, at least in the urban context. Uh, right. We have neighbors much more closely, but I don't know if neighbors talk as much as they do in like more rural areas, but we notice their absence now, now that it's not there. Yeah. There's kind of a curiosity, like, Hey, I wonder what they're doing. Yeah. In the next row house. I wonder how they're doing in the next row house. I you just kind of pay attention to things more. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's true. So kind of switching gears here for a second. So obviously we are uh, two Christians uh, navigating this new culture, this new coronavirus uh, culture. What are some of your thoughts about how Christians can be uh, responding? How can they be um, sort of salt and light in this sort of time. What what are some of the things that we should be doing, and or thinking about as we try to be uh, witnesses to Christ in this in this time? I had a Bible teacher one time say this was at a school I went to uh, after high school, and he said prayer is not preparation for the greater good; it is the greatest good. Mm. And you could probably take issue with that at some point, but the idea that we don't just pray in order to help us learn how to act. We pray because Jesus had told us to mm-hmm. when you pray to the Father. And so I think we are so powerless to stop this other than social distancing and taking the right measures. But for this to stop it, prayer feels like a very real power. And I think to um, dive deeply into this to prayer, not only for the disease uh, to stop the virus to stop spreading, but for uh, people's safety, for the economy, for friends that we don't think of, for their marriages. A friend brought up the other day for for, um, people who have really broken rough homes right now who don't want to be trapped with people they can't stand. Right. That that is tough. That is really, really tough. And so to think about that and um, and then from there to let that shape our hearts and shape our words and what we think about and how we approach this. This is a to respond in a hopeful way to this is pretty counterculture. I don't just mean hopeful and like optimistic. I mean hopeful in that God is doing something. Yeah. Like in Habakkuk one. Like right. even if I were to tell you you wouldn't you wouldn't understand. Well it's interesting that you brought that up because so one of the one of the big uh, videos that's going viral, at least around the the Facebook uh, feeds and Twitter feeds that I follow is the the Billy Graham sermon on uh, Habakkuk one, and, oh. he's, and he's talking about yeah. that. And I, it seems to be uh, making the rounds because of this time. I think it's interesting that you brought up prayer. I think it's I think that's great. I think it's interesting that unlike any other crisis that sort of America has gone through in the last few years, whether that's shootings or terrorist attacks, I think it's interesting that. In those situations, when people respond with, I'm praying, I'm keeping these people in my prayers, it's usually responded, it's usually received negatively. You see a lot of pushback. Yeah. A lot of people saying, no, you can do other things. Right, right. Um, and then I have noticed that people from all different sorts of political stripes have responded with prayer. I mean, multiple governors of multiple different states of, in different parts of the country... Uh, 
being governed by different political parties, have both declared days of prayer and fasting. And overall, they've been received really well. And I think that there's something about this crisis that that people have to acknowledge that it is to an extent outside of our control. There's a lot of things we can do. Social distancing is a great thing we can do. Making sure that we're washing our hands and covering our faces when when we sneeze and cough. Great. Wonderful. But there's also an element of this is just that's just to keep this thing at bay in order to really rid ourselves of it and really to see um, this thing go away. It's going to take something beyond the the power of man. And so I've seen prayer be received really well. And so I think that's a I think that's a great thing that Christians can be encouraged by. Right. Yes, totally. And with that prayer, I <laughs> to to just steep ourselves in the word right now and to realize that Scripture is not just a collection of stories or maxims, but this global cosmic story of redemption, of God coming to rescue the world from sin and decay. And we know that one day Jesus is coming again to set all things right. And in there we see time and time again the way God has spoken into crisis, the way God has commanded his people to live in the midst of crisis, to think of the story of the Good Samaritan, to think of Paul having hope in prison, to think of plagues going on and, and to think of Joel where it says restore the years that the locusts have eaten and to look how the church throughout the ages has responded to these kinds of times to look at the way that they have gone about loving their neighbor to think the way that they have sought to help the common good to see the way that they have sought to honor their God and to bring him glory through their actions we have a lot of time on our hands <laughs> to do that yeah and I think we're better for it when we allow scripture and prayer to guide our thoughts first and to allow that to give us a lens to see what's going on in the world. Because this didn't surprise God. This this didn't come out of nowhere to him. Amen. I can't think of a better way to end it than on that note. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at RD Hassler. Have you gotten your Twitter set up Gosh, yet? Gosh, you know, you asked me this the other day. And what I'm going to do is I'm about to open up my Twitter right oh, now. This is so and get my handle. It's on in my hands right now, my iPhone. And my is it's at Stockdale Will. At Stockdale Will. You yeah. can also follow Ministry to State on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Ministry to State, or visit our website, ministrytostate.org. We will see you guys again next week. Bye.